Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Good morning. I'm Mike Patino. Today's scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-5 through 5 and 9-14. through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey friends, I am excited that you are here today because we're kicking off a new series and a new experience for us as a church community. We're gonna have 40 days in the Gospel of John. And the reason why we're doing this is not to try to escape from this moment, but actually to get perspective and find hope in who Jesus is believing that Jesus has plans for us here now. And so this is more than just a sermon series. What we hope this is is an experience for us all. We're going to have 40 days of reading. We're going to read through the whole book of John in 40 days. So on our church's website, you'll find a Bible reading plan that begins tomorrow. So don't worry, you're not behind. It begins tomorrow. And we want to read the, the book of John together as a community. We want to process it and share our thoughts in small groups and online. But we also uh, have other resources on our church's website where you can dig deeper into uh, the book of John and also just, just explore what is it like to read the Bible. I know for many of you, you've never read the Gospel of John in its entirety. So this, is, this could be a wonderful experience for us to be able to do that together. But have you ever wondered like where this writing came from? Because uh, we don't believe that you know, like this, this Bible descended from heaven uh, on golden beams one day. And we also we don't know of any writing that Jesus gave us. This actually came from ordinary people like me and you who had experiences with Jesus and they wanted to write it down. Like they had, they lived with Jesus for years. They knew Jesus. They knew what his laugh sounded like. They, they knew his mannerisms, his favorite food. Like they, they experienced Jesus. And it makes me wonder like what would have been like to just one day go, all right, people need to know what I know. I need to write this down. I need to share my eyewitness account of who Jesus is. How would you begin that story? For anyone who's, who's, who's written pieces, who's ever tried to write a story, you know how daunting that empty page is. And I'm curious like how, how these different writers began their story. I actually studied it this past week, all the four different accounts of the Gospels of, uh, of telling the stories of Jesus, how they began. Uh, 
Luke began with Jesus' birth that we rehearse that story every single Christmas. Matthew begins with this sharing the lineage of of where Jesus came from, from from Abraham to all these patriarchs, all the way to Jesus. Mark seems impatient. He picks up the story when Jesus is an adult and jumps straight into action. But John's different. John, he let the other writers just jump on their opportunity to write this story. And John took his time. He pondered what, what was really happening. He, he thought through the experiences and tried to look at the deeper meanings, maybe over his pour, his pour over coffee or on a sleepless night. He just replays memories with Jesus and thought, man, what, what was that parable all about? Like, what was Jesus trying to teach? When that miracle happened, what, what was that situation like? And why did he choose that person to perform that miracle? I even imagine John thinking about his own personal moments that we get to see in this writing. The time when, when John reclined on Jesus' chest and that last supper and, and he rested on Jesus while they ate and Jesus shared and broke the bread and talked to Judas. And John was there. He experienced it. John was there when, when Jesus was dying on the cross and, and Jesus looked down at John and his mother and said, Hey, mother, here's your new son. Son, here's your new mother. John was there. John experienced that heartbreak. And John also experienced what it was like to see the resurrected Jesus. He was at that empty tomb. He was there. And so while all the other writers, they they jumped on their opportunity to tell their story, John holds back and he looks at a deeper meaning. John's gospel is so wildly unique. It's more like a story written with poetry because John's gospel is rich with symbolism and imagery. It's incredibly creative. Uh, If all the different gospels had different Enneagram types, John's gospel would be a four. It would be an individualist because it's artistic, unique, special, it's dramatic. And like all poetry, John should be read with curiosity, imagination, patience. It doesn't make sense for us to speed read poetry. We won't get much out of it. The same is with the Gospel of John. We should slow ourselves down. This is why our Bible reading plan for this 40 days, or each day is a small chunk of Scripture, because we want to make sure that we have time to sit in this story, to creatively read this, and explore what exactly John could be saying. Even in the way in which John begins his Gospel, is really profound. Just like any writer beginning a story, a movie, you all you have to be thoughtful about how am I going to introduce who this story is about? And what John does, John gives us a clue about who Jesus is by describing Jesus's uh, life through a name. And the name that John uses has wildly profound meanings for a bunch of different audiences. The name that John gives Jesus is this name the word or logos. For the Jewish audience, that idea about God being the word, it would bring us back to Genesis 1 in the way in which God created everything through the power of his word. He spoke it into being. And also perhaps they would they would think of the idea of the word and they would think about God's word in the Torah, the instruction that they have to how to know God and to follow God's ways. So that is who Jesus is for the Jewish audience. But there's there's also another audience that John was writing to, is a Greek audience. 
And what they held in highest regard was this idea of wisdom. And that's one of the ways that you could translate that word logos is, is, is wisdom. And the reason why they, they really appreciated that concept is because they believed that wisdom, that logos makes sense in this world. It gives us instruction on, on how life was created to be, how to live wisely, how to, how to make sense of the chaos in our world. And for me personally, those two concepts are two concepts I need right now in my life. I need to remember that God has power in his word. As I read the scripture, that I need to remember that God wants to speak to me and speak life and create life through the power of his word in me. But also, I know I need wisdom. I need wisdom to understand how to navigate this world, how to find life in the midst of this chaos. If that's anything like your experience, I think John would stop us and say, great, this story is written for you. And the way it's written, it begins with this poem. Uh, people call it the prologue. It's the first 18 verses of the book of John, and it talks about who Jesus is. It begins like this. In the beginning was the Word. Now, remember, this is an echo from the first words of our Bible in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. So John is saying, this is not your ordinary biography. <laughs> We're going to wind it all the way back. This story and this character actually begins in eternity. That's where the story begins. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So not only was the Word in the beginning, but the Word was with God. Meaning like in relationship with God in the beginning. And was God. <laughs> so like we're being confronted with something that's hard for us to understand because we would ask the question, all right, so is the word separate from God so that like it can be in relationship with God? But how can it also be God, like of the same substance? And John would go, exactly. That's the journey I'm taking you on. That's what I want you to start thinking about is you cannot read this story without a greater sense of imagination. So John continues. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this Logos is this creative force that stands outside of time. It's the source of all light and life, a type of light that can never be defeated. Now, if you were to stop here, if John were to stop here in, in his description of what the word is, what would your concept of God be? Probably some powerful creative force or energy, big or abstract, or maybe this type of God would be some puppeteer, like, you know, like making the world move and, and work but behind a screen. But that's not the Jesus that John knows. That's not the Logos, the word that John knows. And what we find next is what makes Jesus stand alone. This is why Jesus is so profound and so radically different than what we think of God. And this is why I think the story of Jesus is so beautiful and powerful for us. The next verse, the word, now remember, the word, the creator, the sustainer of life, the enduring light became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
So this God is not some distant, huge energy source that's removed from us. No, instead, God became flesh. In a village where no one expected anything big to come from, on a night like any other, God was born. God was born. And John uses the word became flesh for a reason. He could have said that that Jesus, this Logos, became a person or human or a man. But instead, John wants to make sure there's no confusion that Jesus was truly a person. He was flesh and bone. He was God incarnate. In Texas, we know what carne means. We know what carne, like carne guisada. I miss Mexican restaurants so much. But he, he became flesh and blood. You know, he was like truly one of us, common. He was a person. But not only that, but this logos that became flesh dwelled among us. That word dwell you can know, also be translated tabernacled. So in the Jewish tradition, when they would have to move, when they moved through the wilderness, they took God's unique presence with them in, in this tabernacle. And they, that's where they believed that God was there with them. So what John's saying is, this God became flesh and is tabernacling among us, dwelling with us, that this is where that God is. It's in Jesus. So notice what John is doing. John is stretching out extremes like a painter stretches out a canvas before they do their work. John is now stretching out the bigness and the power of of who this Jesus is while also making him among us, with us, like us. And so in so many ways that John is trying to pull out our imagination so that we see the commonness of Jesus and the extraordinary aspect of who this God is. The creator of the world here in flesh, the incomprehensible now knowable, that this is who I'm going to write to you about. That is who this story is about. And I love how Eugene Peterson transcribes that verse, verse 14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, God, moved into the neighborhood. He chose to exist in close proximity with us as one of us. And what John is doing in just these few verses, John is setting the basic understanding of a theology of who Jesus is, a basic understanding. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to know who God is, it's all right here. Because there's typically two different uh, pits that we fall into when we think um, about Jesus, two different errors that we have a tendency to make. One is that we make a big deal of Jesus's godness. I know it's not a real word. If you want to say divinity, you can do that too. But we make a big deal about his godness, how he was God. But then we downplay his humanness. And when we do that, we try to make Jesus no longer a real person. But on the other end, the other pitfall is that we accentuate Jesus as a human, but we deny that he was God. We try to make Jesus into some good moral example. And who cares if he did or didn't do miracles or actually rose from the dead? It doesn't really matter. Okay, now why this is so important is, is this. So it's those two realities that makes knowing Jesus so profound. Because on one hand, Jesus is the human face of God. If we ever wonder what God is like, we should first turn to Jesus. Because who God is like, in a word, God is Christ-like. 
that this is who God is like. Jesus is demonstrating to us the human expression of God's love, God's priorities, God's compassion, God's grace, uh, God's values. You know, all of that there is right there displayed in Jesus. That is what John is saying to us. But at the other, on the other side, in Jesus, we also see what it's like to be fully human. Now, this might be a foreign concept, and uh, but I just think it's really important that I think Jesus was the most human person ever to live. He was the most human person ever living. And the, the reason why I believe that is the only thing that Jesus did not share in common with us was sin. Was sin. So like Jesus never experienced turning away from God's desires, God's longing. Jesus never turned away from the way in which uh, we were created to live. He always existed in the flow of what it was life was intended to be like how to be human in this world in this existence and so there was no sense of brokenness or division or shame that we are plagued with as people jesus lived life fully human and 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 and, and we get to see that jesus was the most human human ever to exist he showed us in what in john's words what it's like to live with full of grace and truth he showed us how to love God with all of our hearts, how to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus was fully and completely human, teaching us that this is the way to come to life as people. So in Jesus, we get to see not only what God is like, but we also get to see how we were created to live, how we were created to live as people. So John is setting the stage that if you disregard one of these aspects, then you've actually disregarded who Jesus is. That is what John is trying to say to us. And John wants us to know that Jesus so that we can be compelled to believe. John then said in verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now a little spoiler alert. Like, I'm going to share the whole point of the story. At the very end of John, near the end of John, John actually shares why he decided to write his gospel. And this is what he said. This is in John 20, 30, and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's it. That's the purpose of John's gospel, and that's the purpose for us walking this 40 days together. I think Jesus it has, he has a goal for us, that as we were to experience this gospel for these 40 days, that we would be moved to truly believe in him, like really believe in him. Not like we believe in democracy or we, might, we believe in gravity, but to actually believe in the outlandish claims that Jesus has, that he is the giver of life, that in believing in his name, that we are adopted into the family of God, we're children of God, that Jesus became flesh to live with us, to die for us, to be raised again for us, that we could be invited into a new way of being, to seek reconciliation, not only for ourselves, but for this world. That is the point of this. And I just, you know, I just, as we, as we're about to begin this journey, 
you know, uh, for us to take stock and do we really believe? Because I know experiences like the one we're in, it kind of jars us awake. It kind of shakes us up. It makes us really wonder and question, what do I truly believe? And maybe a better word for you is trust. Like, in who do I trust? In what do I trust in this time? Jesus is here before us. He's the giver of life. He's the sustainer of life. He brings about a light that can never be overcome. And he wants you to know and to believe. So my invitation for you is to experience this 40 days with us. I believe that Jesus has plans for us to move us into a place where we see Jesus afresh. We see Jesus anew. We give Jesus our trust so that we can experience his power, his promises, and his presence with us today.